it's Nudie, and you're listening to Reading Books with Nudie. We are reading A Little Princess by Frances Hodgson Burnett right now. Remember how the seventh chapter was so long? Well, today we're going to hear the second part of it. We'll also hear Short Jingle, which comes from The Jingle Book by Carolyn Wells, as you know. If you're new here, I recommend you go back and listen to past episodes, or you might not understand the story. If you have the time, please leave a rating or review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. It helps the podcast be more publicized and every little thing helps. If you have any questions, I have an email now. It's readingbookswithnudie at gmail.com. That's readingbookswithnudie at gmail.com. If you want to say hi, send me an email. I'm looking forward to reading it. Do you remember what happened in the last episode? Yes, they were having a birthday party for Sarah. They had just unboxed the last doll. Let's see what happens. Chapter 7, The Diamond Mines Again, Part 2 She often thought afterward how strange it was that just as she had finished saying this, just at that very moment, Miss Amelia came into the room. Sarah, she said, your papa's solicitor, Mr. Barrow, has called to see Miss Minchin. And as she must talk to him alone, and the refreshments are laid in her parlor, you had all better come and have your feast now, so that my sister can have her interview here in the schoolroom. Refreshments were not likely to be disdained at any hour, and many pairs of eyes gleamed. Miss Amelia arranged the procession into decorum, and then, with Sarah at her side heading it, she led it away, leaving the last doll sitting upon a chair, with the glories of her wardrobe scattered about her. Dresses and coats hung upon chairbacks, piles of lace-frilled petticoats lying upon their seats. Becky, who was not expected to partake of refreshments, had the indiscretion to linger a moment to look at these beauties. It really was an indiscretion. "'Go back to your work, Becky,' Miss Amelia had said, but she had stopped to pick up reverently first a muff and then a coat, and while she stood looking at them adoringly, she heard Miss Minchin upon the threshold, and, being smitten with terror at the thought of being accused of taking liberties, she rashly darted under the table, which hid her by its tablecloth. Miss Minchin came into the room, accompanied by a sharp-featured, dry little gentleman, who looked rather disturbed. Miss Minchin herself also looked rather disturbed, it must be admitted, and she gazed at the dry little gentleman with an irritated and puzzled expression. She sat down with stiff dignity and waved him to a chair. "'Pray be seated, Mr. Barrow,' she said. Mr. Barrow did not sit down at once. His attention seemed attracted by the last doll and the things which surrounded her. He settled his eyeglasses and looked at them in nervous disapproval. The last doll herself did not seem to mind this in the least. She merely sat upright and returned his gaze indifferently. A hundred pounds, Mr. Bear remarked succinctly. All expensive material and made at a Parisian modiste. He spent money lavishly enough, that young man. Miss Minchin felt offended. This seemed to be a disparagement of her best patron and was a liberty. Even solicitors had no right to take liberties. I beg your pardon, Mr. Barrow, she said stiffly. I do not understand. Birthday presents, 
said Mr. Barrow in the same critical manner. To a child eleven years old. Mad extravagance, I call it. Miss Minchin drew herself up still more rigidly. Captain Crewe is a man of fortune, she said. The diamond mines alone, Mr. Barrow wheeled round upon her. Diamond mines, he broke out. There are none, never were. Miss Minchin actually got up from her chair. What? she cried. What do you mean? At any rate, answered Mr. Barrow quite snappishly, it would have been much better if there had never been any. Any diamond mines, ejaculated Miss Minchin, catching at the back of a chair and feeling as if a splendid dream was fading away from her. Diamond mines spell ruin oftener than they spell wealth, said Mr. Barrow. When a man is in the hands of a very dear friend and is not a businessman himself, he had better steer clear of the dear friend's diamond mines or gold mines or any other kind of mines dear friends want his money to put into. The late Captain Crewe, here Miss Minchin stopped him with a gasp. The late Captain Crewe, she cried out. The late? You don't come to tell me that Captain Crewe is... He's dead, ma'am. Mr. Barrow answered with jerky briskness. Died of jungle fever and business troubles combined. The jungle fever might not have killed him if he had not been driven mad by the business troubles, and business troubles might not have put an end to him if the jungle fever had not assisted. Captain Crew is dead. Miss Minchin dropped into her chair again. The words he had spoken filled her with alarm. What were his business troubles? she said. What were they? Diamond mines, answered Mr. Barrow, and dear friends, and ruin. Miss Minchin lost her breath. Ruin? she gasped out. Lost every penny. That young man had too much money. The dear friend was mad on the subject of the diamond mine. He put all his own money into it and all Captain Crewe's. Then the dear friend ran away. Captain Crewe was already stricken with fever when the news came. The shock was too much for him. He died delirious, raving about his little girl, and didn't leave a penny. Now Miss Minchin understood, and never had she received such a blow in her life. Her show pupil, her show patron, swept away from the select seminary at one blow. She felt as if she had been outraged and robbed, and that Captain Crewe and Sarah and Mr. Barrow were equally to blame. Do you mean to tell me? she cried out, that he left nothing, that Sarah will have no fortune, that the child is a beggar, that she is left on my hands a little pauper instead of an heiress. Mr. Barrow was a shrewd businessman and felt it as well to make his own freedom from responsibility quite clear without any delay. She is certainly left a beggar, he replied, and she is certainly left on your hands, ma'am as she hasn't a relation in the world that we know of. Miss Minchin started forward. She looked as if she was going to open the door and rush out of the room to stop the festivities going on joyfully and rather noisily that moment over the refreshments. It is monstrous, she said. She's in my sitting room at this moment, dressed in silk gauze and lace petticoats, giving a party at my expense. She's giving it at your expense, madam, if she's giving it, said Mr. Barrow calmly. Barrow and Skipworth are not responsible for anything. 
there was never a cleaner sweep made of a man's fortune. Captain Crewe died without paying our last bill, and it was a big one. Miss Minchin turned back from the door in increased indignation. This was worse than anyone could have dreamed of it being. That is what has happened to me, she cried. I was always so sure of his payments that I went to all sorts of ridiculous expenses for the child. I paid the bills for that ridiculous doll and her ridiculous fantastic wardrobe. The child was to have anything she wanted. She has a carriage and a pony and a maid, and I've paid for all of them since the last check came. Mr. Barrow evidently did not intend to remain to listen to the story of Miss Minchin's grievances, after he had made the position of his firm clear and related the mere dry facts. He did not feel any particular sympathy for irate keepers of boarding schools. "'You had better not pay for anything more, ma'am,' he remarked, "'unless you want to make presents to the young lady. No one will remember you. She hasn't a brass farthing to call her own.' "'But what am I to do?' demanded Miss Minchin, as if she felt it entirely his duty to make the matter right. "'What am I to do?' "'There isn't anything to do,' said Mr. Barrow, folding up his eyeglasses and slipping them into his pocket. "'Captain Crewe is dead. The child is left a pauper. Nobody is responsible for her but you.' "'I am not responsible for her, and I refuse to be made responsible.' Miss Minchin became quite white with rage. Mr. Barrow turned to go. "'I have nothing to do with that, madam,' he said uninterestedly. "'Barrow and Skipworth are not responsible. "'Very sorry the thing has happened, of course.' "'If you think she is to be foisted off on me, "'you are greatly mistaken,' Miss Minchin gasped. "'I have been robbed and cheated. "'I will turn her into the street.' "'And that's where our chapter ends today. "'What do you think Miss Minchin will do?' Do you think she will indeed turn Sarah onto the street? Were you surprised when she got the news that Captain Crewe was dead and you found out she had to pay for everything? What do you think will happen next? You know there's 19 chapters in the book and we're only halfway through the seventh one. So many things could happen. My goodness, it's late. Shouldn't you be getting to bed? Oh, what's that? My goodness, you're right. We can't go to bed without the jingle. This jingle is called A Valuable Gift. Old Father Time one day, in his study, so they say, was indulging in a surreptitious nap, when from his drowsy dreams he was wakened, as it seems, by a timid but persistent rap. He yawned and rubbed his eyes in indolent surprise. Then slowly he arose from where he sat. He opened wide his door and nearly tumbled o'er the figure that stood waiting on the mat. A tiny little dog with excitement all agog and angry eyes that seemed to flash and glower. His manner was polite, but he said, I claim my right. And I've called, sir, to demand of you my hour. Your what? The old man said, as he shook his puzzled head. And the pertinacious puppy spoke with force. Well, sir, they often say, every dog must have his day. 
so a puppy ought to have an hour, of course. The old man shook with glee, but he said obligingly, The dog days are all gone, I grieve to say, but since you've come so far, and so mannerly you are, I'll give you just an hour to get away. What do you think the puppy wanted? An hour to do what? Do you think the old man was fair with his answer? Write me an email at readingbookswithnudie at gmail.com and tell me. I can't wait to read it. And that's the end of our episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. Come back on Monday when we will hear the third part of our chapter. Have a great weekend. Ginormous thanks to Epidemic Sound for the songs and sound you heard today and to Project Gutenberg for the books we read. Thank you.